0: You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear how restaurant workers have been faring during the pandemic, nationally and locally.
1: I started at $8 an hour each year. Never paid overtime. I had a 15-minute break. When California raised the minimum wage to fourteen twenty-five, it meant the world to me and my family. I, it helped me make ends meet. And I was able to save. During the pandemic, I gave birth to our first child. She was one years old, and my greatest joy. But since I, I don't have a childcare support, I had to quit my job. Finding a pain for a trusted babysitter is both incredibly difficult for and expensive.:
0: I'm Laura Wenus, and this is Civic. The pandemic and related precautions affected millions of restaurant workers around the country. Unemployment in the restaurant industry shot up to more than 40% in April 2020. And that's high, but still below what it was in the Bay Area. This is from a report called The State of Restaurant Workers from a restaurant worker advocacy group called Restaurant Opportunities Centers United, often referred to as Rock United. The report came out earlier this week, and the organization's president and CEO, Dr. Seku Sebi, described the findings as emblematic of the inequities that restaurant workers have faced for a long time.
2: The COVID-19 pandemic has revealed a grim reality that the restaurant workers have a long experience. Our labor laws have failed to protect them and the hardworking families. Each day, We hear stories from restaurant workers, a single mother who needs childcare support in order for her to return to work, an essential worker who still does not have paid leave to protect him and his family amid this pandemic, a worker at the food chain whose monthly paycheck isn't enough to pay the rent as we see a sharp decline in working hours and the number of diners. More than 5 million restaurant workers have lost of their jobs since the pandemic reached the American shores. The finding of the 2020 state of the restaurant worker report, the one and only comprehensive report that I attempt at putting together a detailed accounting of the status of restaurant workers in 50 states, have validated what we have constantly seen and heard from restaurant workers. This report also marks our commitment to continue fighting for what restaurant workers deserve. We need a living wage for low wage restaurant workers. We need paid leave and childcare support and a safe and healthy working environment in order to revitalize the restaurant industry. Without all these, they contribute to extreme economic and social inequality. Restaurant workers have served us in good and bad times. So it is time for our government employers to fix a badly broken system and step up to lift low-wage workers out of poverty.
0: Teo Reyes, chief program officer for Rock United, gave this explanation of why the group produced the report. I want to play this for you also because he gives a sense of how they compiled these numbers.
3: Six of the nation's 10 lowest paid occupations are in the restaurant industry, and there are close to 1.5 million tipped restaurant workers in states that require that they only be paid $2.13 an hour. Restaurant workers face the highest rates of sexual harassment, And this is exacerbated by their dependence on customers to pay their wage and yet they are routinely excluded from basic benefits such as paid sick leave. The Centers for Disease Control found that adults who tested positive for COVID-19 were twice as likely to have visited a restaurant than a control group, yet restaurants are not required to report workplace injuries and illnesses. ROC has compiled fact sheets addressing some of these issues for many years and we provide this an important resource as needed to restaurant workers, advocacy organizations and other stakeholders, including members of the press. But we're now making this information publicly available for use by everyone who's concerned with the future and health of the restaurant workforce. Uh, the State of the Restaurant Worker fact sheets compiled basic demographic information using a four-year merged sample from the American Community Survey of the US Census Bureau. We use this to report gender, race, age, marital and parental status, education, poverty, and public assistance usage for all restaurant workers, for back of the house workers, for tipped restaurant workers, and for servers who are the single largest full service occupation. We also include information on all tipped workers and the overall workforce for easy comparison. We compile wage data and employment figures from the occupational employment and wage estimates at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and unemployment figures from the Current Population Survey, which is a joint project of the U.S. Census and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Information on the living wage was derived using the MIT living, living wage calculator, which is one of a number of tools that one can use to understand what a living wage means on the national or state level. Additionally. Uh, Although the State of the Restaurant Workers provides the best snapshot of workers as they entered the pandemic and the impact that the pandemic had on restaurant employment, we're supplementing the State of the Restaurant Workers through our national research panel where we have gathered a sample of over a thousand restaurant workers and are currently analyzing and compiling the results of our inaugural survey examining the direct impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The results of that survey will be available in the coming weeks.
0: Two restaurant workers spoke about their experiences. Here's Lillian Travis, a worker in New Orleans. She's a single mom of two kids, which, as we'll talk about later, is not unusual in the restaurant world.
4: Since 2019, I have been a restaurant worker. When I was younger, I also did some restaurant work. I have done practically all kinds of jobs in the restaurant, from back to the front of the house. Presently, I work part-time as a caterer. While we're trying to get everything back to normal, it has been very hard. There are different rules around COVID-19. The economy is still slow. The cost of food has skyrocketed. And most workers like me still lack job protections. None of my restaurant employers ever provided me with paid leave. I didn't realize how important it was for every worker to have paid leave until the pandemic hit. If I or one of my children got sick or I had an accident at work and my family and I were not protected at all. Um, so, right before the pandemic, I worked as a kitchen manager at a country club. They gave me a three month probationary period. I absolutely loved that job. I needed the job. So, I worked very hard. I came in on off days and I also worked double sometimes. One day, there was a leak, a water leak in the kitchen. Uh, I slipped and fell on the wet floor. I hurt my back. Instead of helping and supporting me while I was hurt, they terminated me. They said that my probationary period ended, and just like that, I was out of work. We restaurant workers face challenges every day at work, yet there is no protection for us. Some of us also experience sexual harassment and discrimination. Most of the incidents are not fully reported because workers, we just want as workers, we just want to keep our jobs and earn a living. I hope that our wages will be increased to at least a full minimum. We are among the most underpaid, even in this time of pandemic. I hope we all get um, the protection such as paid leave, safe working environments, better pay and job security that we need.
0: Rocio Martinez from Los Angeles has worked at multiple locations of a major chain. She said she was 18 when she started working in the industry, and she's 29 now. You'll hear her young child in the background a few times.
1: At that time, I was was really young and inexperienced, so I followed whatever the management told me to do with no contract or any kind of paperwork. They just asked me to work for one location to the next. I'm sorry. It was really exhausting. I worked from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. from one shift and the management asked me to proceed to another location and I worked there from 5 p.m. to 10 45 p.m. But I had to clean the restrooms after closing so I would leave around eleven fifteen 15 p.m. I started at eight dollars an hour each year. Never paid overtime. I had a 15 minute break and it would take my lunch break 30 minutes that was totally unpaid when California raised the minimum wage to 14 25 it meant the world to me and my family I it helped me make ends meet and I was able to save from my future Yay! during the pandemic I gave birth to our first child she was one years old and I was beautiful dressed and my greatest joy but since I, I don't have a childcare support i had to quit my job finding a pain for a trusted babysitter is both incredibly difficult for and expensive i only can stay in the inter- industry if i get better pay so i can support my child and our family
0: I wanted to get a closer look at what restaurant workers have been experiencing in the Bay Area specifically, so I talked with Zoe Karras. She's the National Research Associate for Rock United, and she's based here in the region. This is a big report. The State of Restaurant Workers report is national in scope, of course, but there are these metro area-specific numbers, and the first thing that stands out to me about the Bay Area statistics is just the huge drop in the number of workers in the industry (laughs) right around March of last year. The number of workers tallied in the industry was more than 221,000, and then it dropped to 87,000. What did that huge drop mean for individuals that are represented by those numbers? I mean, I think, you know, we can see that it's unemployment, since the report notes that the industry in the region had a 60% unemployment rate. But what were the impacts of that on on these people?
5: Yeah, so what you're saying is completely true. That means unemployment, um, massive unemployment, more than half of restaurant workers lost their jobs in just a couple of months and i think it's really important to say in terms of unemployment that over 50 percent of restaurant workers in the bay area are also immigrants which means that a lot of the workers who lost their jobs might not necessarily have had access to unemployment so what that means is just a massive massive change in thousands of people's lives
0: I mean, and over 60%, and it's not like people were losing their jobs in an industry where, like, you know, they could maybe get back into it. The the industry was slashed. 60% of people, what was that like for people who were who were losing their jobs and just seeing other workers around them lose their jobs as well?
5: I mean, it's devastating. Um, it, it means people have to figure out how to get um, services from the government, like food stamps. Um, people have to figure out how to meet their basic needs um, without warning. Otherwise, people who still did remain employed or were able to find other jobs were put into really, really challenging situations where they were potentially risking their lives to do a job that, of course, has many health and safety issues, but risking your life wasn't part of the, the job when people signed up for it, you know?
0: Yeah. In your work that you're doing with Rock United, do you have a lot of contacts with individual restaurant workers? And and do you hear from them, you know, just what their concerns are about being at work? Because like you say, all of a sudden, this was life-threatening with the coronavirus pandemic.
5: Completely. So as a researcher, I am definitely talking to workers, but the organizers are the ones who are on the ground. And almost all of our organizers are former restaurant workers. Mm -hmm. And so our organization is run by restaurant workers, um, so we are always talking to folks about their stories. And throughout the pandemic, we've been um, supporting restaurant workers monetarily with a relief fund and hearing many, many stories of how people have had to make do. Um, and we, we also created a survey where we studied um, the pandemic and captured stories in that way as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you would it take? Do you think for restaurant workers to feel comfortable going back to their jobs? We've just talked about how it was seriously dangerous in many cases. Do you do you get the sense that vaccination is going to help that, or what what would it take?
5: I think that's a great question, and I think that wages are obviously center stage mm. right now. Um, I think that restaurant workers need not just. Um, not just a $15 minimum wage, but living wages, especially in places like the Bay Area. We have this idea that the restaurant worker is working in fine dining and and just taking home lots of money and tips, and that's just not true for most restaurant workers. The fight is not just about wages, it's also about dignity and respect on the job. Mm. Um, I think that restaurant workers need to have a say in how um, in, in the risk that they have at work in making decisions about protection on the job. And I think that's very clear.
0: Yeah, I mean, one big difference between the Bay Area and other metro areas that is clear from this report is that we just have a pretty high minimum wage. And San Francisco's is at about $16. Oakland's is at around 14 Berkeley is also at 16 ish The report suggests that a living wage in the Bay Area would be around $48 an hour. That seems incredibly high. Can you talk about that estimate and the difference between that and the minimum wage?
5: Yeah, so the reason that seems incredibly high is because we reported the living wage for a single parent with one child, Mm. Um, and we felt that this was a really important decision to make because, um, at least in the Bay Area, um, almost a third of restaurant workers are parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this kind of idea that restaurant workers are, you know, teenagers um, working a job for the summer, but the reality is that restaurant workers are professionals, the median age of a restaurant worker in the Bay Area is 35. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's why it seems high, but the living wage for a single adult without a child in the Bay Area is still $22.88, which is considerably above you know, the minimum wage of, of each of the cities that make up the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: So the minimum wage here is quite high compared to other metro areas. Does the living wage here compare to other metro areas in the same way? I mean, I would expect that the living wage in like the New York metro area or Boston or whatever might also be pretty high.
5: Yes, definitely. The living wage in the Bay Area is also high, just Mm -hmm. like the minimum wage is higher than another place. But but you also see uh, high levels of poverty, in the Bay Area. We like to look at twice poverty, which is twice the poverty line since...
0: Can you yeah. explain that a little bit more? I, I was going to ask you about that. So twice poverty is not like you are twice as impoverished as someone in, under the poverty line. It is twice the income of what where the poverty threshold is?
5: Exactly. It's okay. double the poverty threshold for the year. And it's actually a better measurement of material deprivation um, and earners who are living at or below the twice poverty line are basically barely making ends meet. Um, and so if you look at our fact sheet, you'll see that thirty seven percent of restaurant workers in the Bay Area are living at or below the poverty line. That is and astonishing. That's considerable. Yeah, yes, completely.
0: Why is it a better measure of material deprivation? What does that mean?
5: So so basically the federal poverty, Um, measure is pretty outdated it hasn't been updated for a long time and it doesn't include like basic things like health insurance etc um so what we mean by material deprivation is folks who are living under the twice poverty line might experience the need to use um government services Mm. or um in some cases be food or housing insecure
0: yeah I'm stunned by some of these numbers. There's also this this huge difference between the prevailing wage of the general workforce, which is more than $34 an hour, 34 and the restaurant workforce, which is closer to $17 an hour, which I guess is not surprising since that's roughly around the minimum wage area. Can you talk a bit about the prevailing wage? What does that refer to? And what does that difference tell us?
5: yeah so the prevailing wage is the average wage and i hate to break it to you but the truth is actually that this is skewed high
3: um
5: <laughs> because of fine dining because of those earners who who are making oh. um, a, 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 you know making a living right. um, as restaurant workers so so the prevailing wage of seventeen nineteen is is not the most accurate um the ac- most accurate picture of what your, you know, general restaurant workers making, we weren't Mm. able to report the median wage this year um, because wages have changed so much in the context of the pandemic.
0: So can we um, infer anything or is this illustrative of anything that there's such a big difference between the prevailing wage of the general workforce here and the prevailing wage of restaurant workers?
5: I think definitely we can see that this is an industry where um, where folks are, are not able to make
0: a living. I'm speaking with Zoe Karras, National Research Associate for Restaurant Opportunities Centers United, about the state of the restaurant industry for workers. So there's another thing I want to get into about wages, and that's the tipped minimum wage. I don't believe that California has this, but can you briefly explain what it is and what it means for California to not have it?
5: Yes, um, you're definitely right. California is one of only seven states where restaurant workers make a full minimum wage. Um, so at my last restaurant job, I was working in Santa Cruz, a little south of the Bay Area. I made $12 an hour. And then I took home any extra income as tips on top of that basic minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that most restaurant workers in the country don't have that privilege which should be a basic right to earn the minimum wage. Um, and so the federal sub-minimum wage is $2.13 an hour. So um, if you look at a state like Tennessee, employers only have to pay their workers that $2.13 an hour wage, and then customers basically subsidize wages. So With tips. Yeah, with tips, exactly. Mm. Um, and there's a couple... Uh, really important things to note about the minimum wage. One is, um, this is a much longer conversation, but it's a literal legacy of slavery in our country. Um, the tipping system was used um, to basically, as a way to provide pay for emancipated slaves so they would be given um, nothing in wages and expected to earn income through tips mm. the second thing is that the federal tip minimum wage has been stuck at two dollars and thirteen cents since nineteen ninety one
0: That is a stunning number every time that I hear it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, first of all, the contradiction of the term sub-minimum wage. Yeah, completely. (laughs) And then that it's around $2. Completely. And it used to be 50%
5: of the regular minimum wage, but Hmm. it was actually decoupled because of lobbying by the National Restaurant Association, which we call the the other
0: NRA. (laughs) So... Still, California does not have this. We do have a minimum wage. You get tips on top of your minimum wage. And yet, 10.5% of tipped restaurant workers in the Bay Area live in poverty, according to this report. Why and how is that happening?
5: That's happening because you can't you can't assume that restaurant workers are making a living wage because of tips. You still have to look at what the minimum wage is. I mean... Anyone who's been a restaurant worker knows that tips are not reliable. They're seasonal. Yeah. They depend on what shift you have. It's not, it's not a reliable wage. It's very different than having a livable wage. Um, and restaurant workers should get tips on top of a living wage. So the difference is just the, the complete lack of livable wages in the Bay Area.
0: And then there are disparities within disparities on that front, because a higher proportion of restaurant workers of color are in poverty than the proportion of restaurant workers overall, and a higher proportion of women workers are in poverty than men. What is going on there? What, what are you seeing there in terms of how big those disparities are and what they mean?
5: Yeah, and that's not unique to the Bay Area. That's right. true across the country. The restaurant industry is a very gendered and racialized industry. Across the country, women are more likely to work tipped jobs, and you shouldn't be surprised that women are more likely to be in poverty. Workers of color are much more likely to work back-of-house positions, especially in the Bay Area. Latinx workers are very overrepresented. Yeah. Immigrant workers are overrepresented. This industry has, has a history and a legacy of racism and sexism.
0: And there's also this distinction that I'm seeing here um, in, in, the st- in the statistic, in the fact sheets. The percentage of all restaurant workers who are fathers is 26%. And the percentage of all restaurant workers who are mothers is 35%. So it seems like there are more more of the people who are parents are mothers than fathers. And then there's also this distinction between single mothers percent of all women and mothers who are single. Can you explain that distinction?
5: I'll explain single mothers percent of all women and mothers who are single first. Single mothers percent of all women, that's looking at all women who work in the restaurant industry who aren't necessarily mothers, Whereas mothers who are single, that's looking at, okay, all mothers who are restaurant workers, what percentage of them are single? And in the Bay Area, that's 35.1%. And you'll be surprised to hear that that's actually much lower than it is in many huh. other parts of the country.
0: So is this why you looked um, at the at at the income that it would take for a single parent with a child to get by um, as, as the baseline for what the cost of living here would be or what a living wage would be.
5: That's exactly why. I mean, 35% of women mothers in the industry who are single mothers, we believe that those folks need to be represented when we're thinking about who a restaurant worker is. Um, so it was very important to us to, um, provide the figure for a, a single parent. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, w- I want to hand this off to you for a second. Do any of the other statistics recorded in this Bay Area segment of the report stand out compared to what you see in other states or compared to what's going on nationally?
5: Yeah. One of the things that's most astounding to me is the difference between restaurant unemployment and private sector unemployment in the mm. Bay
0: Area. Yeah, there's a great chart at the bottom of each of these segments there. Um yeah, it's very illustrative, but sorry, go on.
5: Yeah, well, if you look at at many states and, and cities across the country, you'll see that there was a dip in private sector employment. It was not as dramatic as the restaurant industry. But if you look at the Bay Area, private sector employment actually grew over yep. the pandemic. Not yep. by much, but it grew. Um, whereas, like we talked about, you know, the height of the pandemic, uh, The restaurant industry saw
0: (laughs) 60.6%. No, it's crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. looking at the chart, it's just the restaurant line. It just like it's kind of going down in March. And then in April, it just plummets. It's just a cliff. And then it's uh, trying to squeak back up and climb back up over the course of the rest of that year and the private sector is completely flat and then inching slowly up in terms of employment it's it's amazing
5: yeah and it's still it's still low the restaurant industry figures are still low mm. the most recent numbers we have are from May of this year 2021 um, and it's still down 33% since it was um since the levels it was at before before the pandemic hit
0: mm so is that what the unemployment rate is in the restaurant industry right now?
5: So we actually measure the percent change in employment. Uh-huh. I know that sounds, it sounds kind of wordy, but what we're actually looking at is not unemployment, but how employment has either grown or shrunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and we measure that against January of 2020 because mm-hmm. we're looking at the full year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different than unemployment. I know those are all kind of technical terms, but it's a little different.
0: Do you have any sense of whether the jobs are coming back, but they're not full time yet? Because one of the things that the report distinguishes between is full time and um, full time in and poverty and, and you know, full time versus not full time workers. Um, do you know if people are sort of underemployed at this point, like they're coming back to work, but they would need more hours?
5: I couldn't tell you right now, but I know that in our industry, underemployment is just chronic, mm. um, so I would not be surprised.
0: That was Zoe Karras, National Research Associate for Restaurant Opportunities Centers United. We're expecting to bring you a conversation soon, talking with restaurant owners and operators to see what they've been going through during the pandemic and how the industry's changing as the city and state navigate a complicated reopening. So keep an eye out for that. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Before I let you go today, at the public press, which is CIVIC's parent organization, we've been working really hard during this pandemic to pursue angles we're not seeing much coverage of elsewhere, or to take a more systemic look at the issues that are surfacing in the headlines. The San Francisco Public Press is a non and we're inspired by the public radio model. That's the idea that people who are able to support the work that we do so everyone can have access to it without paywalls or ads. If you think we're onto something, we'd very much appreciate if you could show your support. You can do that by going to sfpublicpress.org slash donate or by helping us get the word out about this show. Subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use or leave us a review. It really does help. So thank you.